The content, information, and opinions expressed during the related show are those of the show personalities and guest alone, and not those of Vic Canellis Media Group, its parent, affiliates, or stations. VCMG Live is not responsible for any content, information, or opinions expressed. User bears full responsibility for their reliance on such content, information, or opinions. Time for Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira's back in studio with us. A, a full house tonight, I, I might add. So we're going to have a, a great show. We're excited about this. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I mean, look where I've been the last like ten days. I, I can't even. You've been a little busy. I mean, in, but in the events that I've seen, LeBron breaking the all-time NBA scoring record by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just amazing to be in there, in that environment, and, and to see when he broke it and got my great pictures of that. I was so nervous if I going to get the perfect picture. And then to go to the Super Bowl, see Patrick Mahomes. Now, he's not certainly at the level of LeBron and those things, but but on Could his way, he's on his way, yeah. and see that magnificent performance. And then three days following Tiger Woods. And, and you know, I'm trying to think, write an article about all these three, between Tiger, Mahomes, and LeBron. I think the one thing I'm going to compare and say about all of them is that you know we do talk about this load management. We talk about other things. These guys, they work hard. They try real hard. They're not afraid of failure. They love the moment and all those. Th- I mean, I just think you just the comparison between the three of them and the performance they put on. I mean, Mahomes is in the Super Bowl. His ankle was killing him. He hardly could move, and he's still out there playing. You see Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger Woods, what he went through and the accident that he had, he could, hardly could walk and how he played. And then LeBron James to play 20 years in this league and at this super high level is amazing. And everything he's been through, just to be out of impressed with all three of them. It's, a, it's just a privilege to watch such greatness in person. Ira mentioned uh, pictures, videos. You can get all that and more anywhere on social media at Ira on Sports. I think up over 30,000 uh, followers on Instagram now. So go ahead, give him the follow and follow along with Ira all across the country as he attends these crazy sporting events. Tom D'Angelo, uh, Palm Beach Post, is going to join us at 725. And this is, I think we've had him on before. He's the, the local golf pro, and he's going to fill us in on the, the upcoming Honda Classic. He writes for Palm Beach Post, and I'm going to tell you something. He's probably my now go-to golf writer because I think every other golf writer seems to have an agenda. They have an agenda, which is that they're against the live. They hate live. This is terrible. And they seem to be almost like public relations. He writes stories. The one thing is he, he like Mito Pereira just left to go to live. Well, he interviewed Mito. He's met him. He's done things. He knows Brooks. He knows Dustin John. I mean, that's what I like. So I think he he's fair. He, I love that he's straight down the middle on how this, and he's straight down the middle about the Honda. He doesn't puff the Honda up, say, oh, we have the greatest feel in the world. I love the fact that he just is a writer, and I think there's so few of them. It's just, it seems to me everyone is a PR. I don't want to read PR. I want to read stories. I had to unfollow Golf Digest and some of these things off my social media because every other article is just bashing live. They're in the PGA's pocket. It's it's crazy how they've kind of devolved from golf news and just to hating live. Every article has to said, and Jay Monahan is doing the greatest job in the world. He's the greatest <laughs> commissioner of all sports. You have to put that in. It's almost like a requirement to write a golf story. It has to be just like, enter, you know, put that thing. So, we're still talking about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about it probably till the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what seems to be you know still discussed is the James Bradbury hold, and he admitted that he was holding on that play. I don't see why this is such an issue that's carried over. It's just it's if you're because the Eagles fans will never for 30 years, 100 rest of their lives, they're going to bring that up. Now the one thing that I was the one thing I noticed I didn't bring up the last thing is that James Bradbury usually what Belichick did is with the other team is wearing white jerseys. You yeah. wear white gloves, and he had dark gloves, so it's easier to see. So that's what Belichick those little small things that uh, Sirianni didn't do, which is maybe have your players wear white gloves when the other team is wearing white jerseys, a big, big thing. Oh, look, I've, I've seen that now play a hundred times. I still think it had to be called. It was not a, out of the where. It was the main play. Juju would have scored a touchdown on that pass with Owens. Owens only had one incompletion that entire half. I think it had, it was a key play to be called. I, I don't think it's that big. I think it had to be. If it wasn't called, it'd be more, it'd be horrendous. I think it wasn't called. Uh, yeah, I think the city of brotherly love is having more issue with it than the rest of the country, but they're pretty loud, so you can keep hearing it. Um, you had an interesting thing happen on Tuesday, and you called me up, and I, I wasn't expecting this, but who'd you run into well, in, in I, Vegas? It's, that's why I tell people, if you don't have a ticket to the Super Bowl, if you can just go wherever the Super Bowl is, like next year in Las Vegas, well, that's the tickets will be through the roof. But just hang around the Super Bowl, because there is so many ex-NFL players. They're, they're friendly. I mean, I'm in the gym at the Marriott and Chandler, which is not like in the center of the action, and I go and I'm running, and I, I hear someone talk behind me. I get off, I look, I go... Wait, that looks like Eddie George, you know, former Heisman Trophy winner, Ohio State, Tennessee Titan. And, and I look, he has a Tennessee State sh uh, shirt. He's the coach. And I go, that's Eddie George. I go up, I talk to him. We're working to get him on the show. I mean, I'm like, had this long conversation. I mean, that just at a gym with just a, a gym at a hotel with two people, me, him, and some other person was in the gym. <laughs> that was it. And that's like, I, mean, I ran into Jim Kelly. I ran into Daryl Talley. I, you know, put you said they were the nicest guys. Doug they Flutie, let you go. Paul Warfield. This taste of the NFL party you went to, they literally had a hundred. NFL players all run around and guess what they want to talk you think these old timers don't want to, they all love talking football if you're a little kid in there it's just I saw a little kid he must have had signatures on a ball there was no room I go where'd you buy the ball he goes these are all the ones I got that's how excited the whole thing was so it was pretty cool this is Ira on sports true oldies channel I'm Mike Balsamo don't forget you can follow Ira anywhere at Ira on sports what else are you taking over that weekend you, you had gone without tickets you said if I don't get in I don't get in there's so much to do outside of the game yeah I just wanted to mention some of the I, we talked about that tasty NFL party with a hundred restaurants from all around that you could meet all the NFL players then this like you just get into these super you get invites like if you're out there you get somehow people just give you invites to these parties and and you go to this giving back party you're suddenly in the Phoenix Hills and there's JJ Watt throwing a football to you like this is nuts like it's crazy how you just run into the celebrities and run into the old ex NFL people I went to this Tao Maxim party which was so cool at an airline hangar and we're there and I'm showing this I'm showing at the table talking to these people because I've just had this VIP ticket, but I'm not at a table. And someone is saying, I said, oh, I know, here's some pictures of Luca. I was at the Laker game. He goes, I'm going to show you, like, pictures of Luca who was 12 years old, and he's playing against them. Like, the guys <laughs> that we're talking to was from Serbia, and they were playing with, I mean, they're like, you know, from that area, and they're like, oh, I used to play against Luca all the time. And they were, you know, he's, he's showing me pictures of him playing against Luca, and I'm just having pictures of a game. So it was just cool to be around that, and I just love those events. Let's get caught up on the uh, coaching carousel. One of the bigger things, bigger stories right now is that Eric Bieniemy not taking a head coaching job, instead making a lateral move to the NFC East. I thought that was a little strange. I thought the whole thing. I mean, the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, goes to the Arizona Cardinals. The offensive coordinator goes, Jane Sitsum goes to the Colts. Um, and then Bieniemy, who beat them both with the offense as the <laughs> offensive coordinator, has to go to the Washington Commanders. 
I don't understand with Bieniemy. I mean, people mention it. Look, they say, oh, the things. When he was at Colorado, and a couple years after, he got in so many fights that he got banned from the university, like banned from walk around campus. But that was like 25 years ago. I mean, he's 50 years old now, and he's a, besides a DUI like 20 years ago. He hasn't anything any with a record. I don't care if. It, Literally, he's been part of this Chiefs dynasty for like five years. That's been amazing. For actually, he's been there 12 years. But the point is, you got. I don't care if he's getting uh, Andy Reid coffee every morning. You give him a job. Like I think he deserves. <laughs> like totally over over White Gannon. He exposed Gannon's defense as being a fraud, and Gannon gets the job at the Cardinals. And he doesn't. And I was surprised that the Chiefs didn't just make him. I think Stephen A. I'll give Stephen A. credit on this. He said should have been a, st- a coach in waiting for them. Now I hear that Matt Nagy's going to come back. Who was fired by the Bears? He'll come back as the uh, as the, the as OC. The, yeah. as the, as the OC and the coach in waiting. So I just don't understand it, but uh, I wish the best of luck be enemy because I do think I was so impressed by how the Chiefs played in that Super Bowl and and how Mahomes has developed as a quarterback. Uh, maybe it's the, you know, not calling plays. And I'm assuming with Washington, he's going to get to call plays and this is his showcase for, for the next. These jobs weren't great anyway. I don't, I don't really blame him if he just outright passed on him, which he did not. But if he could he, turn Carson, we, yeah, if he could turn Carson Wentz into a first team all pro, they should give him, you know, they, <laughs> everybody should do that. He should replace Belichick at uh, New England if he could do that. Speaking of quarterbacks, you know, following the the New York media, every day there's outrage or um, excitement about Aaron Rodgers coming there. I don't know if it's going to happen, but where where do we stand with who's available and where they're going to allow Well, Derek Carr is a free agent. Anybody can sign him. No trades. He can go wherever he wants to go. He's going to want a lot of money, but he can go anywhere. So he's a total free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo, total free agent. Aaron Rodgers is under this humongous contract with the Packers, which the trade is going to be complicated, and he's in a dark room. He decided to go in a dark room for five days to contemplate. I don't know what happens in a dark room. So I don't know. I don't know if I could be in a dark room for five days. I don't know. But he is right now in a dark room, which is amazing, and he hasn't left. And I don't they supposedly bring him food and slide it under there. I I don't know, but you know the reports out of Green Bay are now as Green Bay is we're done with it. Like when they yeah, signed they, him they last, said they're not happy. They signed him saying we knock it, we don't want any more drama. Like stop the drama, and he promised them no drama, and now there's drama. So it's just I don't know. So I I think he, you know there's an issue with him. But um, I was just going to go over my quarterback list right here in terms of what the situation. Uh, I think, like, so you have those three free agents, and they're all going to make. I mean, Aaron Rodgers already has Connor Carr and Jimmy G are going to make money. Because if you look at the, the thing, in the draft choice, you have Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Will Levis from Kentucky, Anthony Richardson from Florida, and Hendon Hooker, who is my, I'm going to say it to the cows come home, Hendon Hooker is going to be the star of this draft. I love this I guy. Be surprised at I all. think he is. I don't he, like Levis or Richardson. Right, Hooker looks, everyone's predicting him second round. I, I think when we have our draft, because he tore his ACL, he's not doing anything for teams. But and he's 25, I, which hurts him. But I like Hooker a lot. I, I definitely, I think Hooker's fen- uh, uh, phenomenal. But if you look at the quarterbacks, six teams are set. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence. And I'm going to put Lamar Jackson. It, it's a contract dispute in Baltimore. That's all it is. They're going to sign him to how much money is guaranteed. Then there's these question mark quarterbacks. Dak Prescott. He's still there. You know, there's Deshaun Watson, you know, you know Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and Matthew Stafford. They're the quarterbacks. There's issues. They're not playing that great. But I think those are five are, are set too. And then you have these maybe quarterbacks. I put it at a tier of six. Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, who... Once, what did you say? $45 million. $45 million. Well, you know, let him someone pay him $45 million. There's no way he's getting that. <laughs> Geno Smith, Kyler Murray from the Cardinals, Ryan Tannehill for Tennessee, and even Mac Jones from New England, which people think that Baylor's, Bailey Zappi is they, better than him. They're saying they might move off him. So those are six that are like, I think if a good if they found a good quarterback, they're done. Like those six. And then there's 15 teams with quarterbacks that tomorrow could switch anytime they want. 15. That's almost half the league. 49ers. You know, Brock Purdy and, and Trey Lance. No one's seen Trey Lance do anything. Brock Purdy. Taylor 
Tampa. They have no one. Kyle, Kyle, Tra- Trask, Kyle yeah. Trask, quarterback. The Colts. Uh, they, uh, Nick Foles, I think, is their leading is the quarterback on their depth chart. Uh, Washington, Tyler Haneke or Carson Wentz. I'm putting Miami in this category because as someone who lived with Tua last year, I don't think he's staying healthy. I love him to death, but I mean, you think you're gonna, he's going to play 17 games next year. Atlanta, Desmond Ritter at the quarterback. I, I, Jets, need to say anything. Packers, Jordan Love, no one's seen him do anything. Carolina Panthers, Sam Darnold. Uh, Houston Texans, Davis Mills. I'm going through. Uh, New Orleans, Andy Dalton. Uh, Raiders, Jared Stidham. And Atlanta, I mean, it's, uh, we, again, I'll put him back in the Bears. Like, it's a, it's a mess with these teams. And then even the Steelers with Kenny Pickett, I'm not sold on Pickett. Like, I'm not. So the point is, there is so much besides those six, Mahomes. But I'm not saying if you don't have one of the six, you can't win the Super Bowl. You got to go for it, especially in the NFC, where there's really only Hurts and Prescott are the only ones in the NFC. And so I'm not going to be surprised at all if Derek Carr and Jimmy G both end up in the NFC South. Right. You get the, the Pan- Panthers and, and Saints both need quarterbacks, and the division stinks. Either of them go there, and they're the best quarterback in the division right off the bat. For me, it's a smart move for their careers. I think that that's where I'd be looking if I was them. And I think that some, I think there's going to be something with some of these backups too. You're going to see some backup quarterbacks. We saw Huntley for the Ravens last year, how he played. Like, I think you're going to see some, uh, Wofford is for the, the Rams. Like, there's some of these backup quarterbacks that might find situations that might, well, they've been backups for five years. Maybe they're ready. I mean, Gino Julian Smith, Love, like you mentioned. Yeah, Geno Smith came out of nowhere in terms of now he's a starter and going to get some money. So I think there's still a chance that some, maybe a third string on one team could go in there. Like, I, it'll be, this QB carousel is definitely going to be super interesting. It's 717. This is Ira on Sports. This is the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. About eight minutes or so, Tom D'Angelo from the Palm Beach Post will join us. Talk a lot of golf, and we can start talking golf now, Ira. Like you said, Tiger Woods, you might be his biggest super fan on the planet. You love walking with him, and the Genesis is like an institution. You're there every year, so tell us about how that. I tell you, I know this. I, I'm now patting myself on the back. I think I should be at like an A plus in how to follow Tiger Woods at the Genesis <laughs> because I got these pictures. There, people look at these pictures. It's hard. Like you have to know you exactly. It's a hard tournament to walk. It's a hard tournament to walk because the crowds. It's 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 packed in. But you know, I first of all, they they let you bring a stool, so I have the stool helps. So when I go up to the tee box, but they have like six, like there's six or seven holes we can't even go to the tee box and the greens are, are set back so it's harder to get from the greens so you have to get lucky on the fairway you know you want to be on the tee box and rush to the fairway and so it is hard to get these pictures but there's so many times where you think oh i i missed it and then he hits the ball to the left and then you walk up and wow, you're like in a great spot for a great picture and i just it was great to follow him around on there now my my to think what tiger this was the tournament that two years ago his back was hurting him so he didn't play in the tournament so he was out a monday doing uh like it would be today it would be that day after the tournament mm-hmm. doing up at a another golf tour some sort of for for a, an advertising commercial or something and that's when he crashed his car and they thought he was going to amputate his leg and he broke his right leg in a million spots and all those things and to see him remember I saw him in December at the PNC Classic he could not walk from his golf cart to the t- to the tee box he couldn't move he literally couldn't move I, he was as old I, you could have 90 year olds that could walk out <laughs> better than he does and then I come out I'm like he, I couldn't believe he agreed to play I was scheduled to come back I was going to one day to Genesis and come back to West Palm Beach for Delray. Then he announced he's going to play. I'm like, he'll never make the cut. I don't know how he's going to walk the course. Then I see him on Thursday. He's running around. I could not. He is Superman. He is the he is Lee Majors. I mean, with Bionic <laughs> Man. I, he's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, he said it was plantar fasciitis that was hurting him at the PNC Classic. And I did see him play. You know, he has this. I had plantar fasciitis, too. So he was doing with the wrap with his leg and everything like that and adjusting it. But I, he is amazing. He is superhuman. There's, I mean, we know he's superhuman. But I just could not believe how he walked around the course. And this is th- that hill. It's ra- it's relatively flat. But if you see where the Riviera Country Club is, 
is to walk down that hill. That's a steep walk. And then to walk up it, to go up to 18-1, you are walking up hills. And there were strokes that he had where he was like on the side of a hill, like he had to do with a baseball. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, he's going to fall. He's never going to do that. He, was, he had to hold, stand on his right leg literally to do that. He did that fine. He's walking up the hills, walking down the hills. He hit one on, I think it was the first hole. He hit on the cart path, which is unbelievable to think that he had on. The, I mean, his length was through the roof. I was trying to find stats. You know, usually on some of these tournaments, you get the good stats. I couldn't find good stats, but he was first through two days of playing with Rory and Justin, out driving them on many holes. On most, I would say most times he was the farthest down, which is amazing. You know, yeah. he's 47 years old and he had has one leg and he's and he's out. He's tremendous. I just thought he played great. I fall as I said, I followed him on Thursday. Um, he started at noon. He was lucky. I think it's when you know, he loves to start early in the morning. That's usually, but I think he started at noon. It was warmer out. It was in the California in the mornings. It's so cold and everybody's like wearing heavy jackets by noon. You're like you know wearing shorts and a t-shirt. It's so hot. So, but he was like missing easy, easy, easy birdies. And then, uh, and then through 12, he had like two birdies and three bogeys. And then the key thing was that he went to 16 and he got a birdie on the par three 16. And then 17, he got another birdie. And then on 18, I'm staying there on 18. And then he hits another, he got 16, 17, 18 with birdies to hit, shoot the 69. And when he hit that birdie on 18, Justin Thomas, who was inches from me on the 18th hole, like I was right there. Justin Thomas went and gave a fist pump. He almost hit me with his fist pump. He was so excited. <laughs> louder than when Justin Thomas then did a birdie because Rory, Justin, and Tiger all birdie 18. He was more excited that Justin, Tiger hit the birdie than he did. So people made a comment about that joke when he gave the tampon and stuff. He and Justin are close as any Justin is, they are. He was rooting for him more than Rory. That, the pairing between Rory, Justin, and Tiger, they are clearly the closest and closest of friends. And I was at the PNC Classic and I saw Justin Thomas and his father play with Charlie and Tiger. And they're joking. Charlie is busted on Justin more than, <laughs> and, you know, more than Tiger busts on him. They really get along, which is great. You know, I thought that was nice. But it was fun to watch Rory and Justin out there with, I mean, you know, you can, as much star power as you, know, you can possibly have. It must have been difficult for you considering everyone's going to want to follow them. There's there's no other really premier group besides them. Well, you know what? But even like when Scheffler's out there and Spieth's out there, the, the, the power of Tiger Woods. I mean, we're going to talk about the one other day on Friday. So it's 7.30 in the morning he's teeing off. Now, you don't go to the Genesis and just pull your car into the lot and walk in at 7.30. People were parking in Santa Monica, which is like an hour away. So they had to get up like at 3 in the morning to park their car there, wait in line to get on a bus, go there, and they had like one security line to get in. Now, I had a clubhouse pass so I could sort of get in and sort ways but I couldn't believe the lines so you had to get up I don't know two in the morning what in the I don't know how you got there to be there 7 30 in the morning thousands of people out there now I'm, I go to Penn State football games there's a hundred and ten thousand people at games if they play Penn State football games first of all when the games are 12 the students can't make the games because it's too late but if they play these games at 7 30 in the morning and had them bust I mean, they might get 15,000 people at a game like it's ridiculous I the fan support for Tiger was amazing the crowds around him every the all three days I was there was just definite I just he is more to the sport than anything. I don't know anybody that controls a sport more than Brady, more than LeBron. Without more than, a doubt, it's just I just it's it's simply amazing how popular it is. And it's not just old. I mean, he's been playing forever, but the little kids out there running around. They, it's every age, everybody who loves screaming. When Tiger's walking down, and you hear like a five-year-old screaming, "Let's go, Tiger! Let's go, Tiger!" All this, and even he smiled at some of that stuff. And he's heard the story about the girl. I saw that sign. A girl on a sign. It said, "Bucket list: uh, 
one was uh, um, one was get heart a heart transplant, transplant yeah. and that was checked, and then meet Tiger Woods. I would think whatever. Not, I'm like, he better go meet her. And he did like the next hole when she came out. She, that was cute. But it was like, but he did interact with fans. When he hit the ball in the fans, and they're like around his ball, like, um, and he was like joking. He, he's like, he's like, now I feel like you guys. And I'm like, he was really interacting much more than he had in the past, and uh, just great. I just. He is so popular out there, and the fans, like, you see nothing. Like, there was a guy that wore a shirt that had his mugshot on the shirt. I think this kid was going to get beat up. Like, people were giving him stares. They were yelling at him, like, get get out of here. Like, he is, I don't know why he would be so stupid to wear that. But the point is, he is so popular. It was so great to walk, to walk out there. Um, and then, uh, is Tom on the ready yet or not? Or? Not yet. We're dialing him up right okay. now. Okay. And then... Or Friday morning, we walk with Rob. How about Rob? Uh, Rob Lowe was mm-hmm. walking like right down. And Rob Lowe was like, it's one thing for Tiger said, don't talk to me, I'm busy. Like when Rob Lowe's walking around, everyone's like, can I have a picture with you? How's Rob going to say no? You know, he's inside <laughs> the ropes. He's he's doing those pictures. But Friday, he did poor. I mean, Friday, he shot a 74. At, that was just, he even had on the one hole on six, it's like a par three. And he putted the ball and he putted into the sand trap. It's weird with the sand trap in the middle of the hole. And he putted in there. And then he struggled on, on, on seven, eight, and nine and bogeyed that. That was that was the bad day. But then Saturday was just, again, a, a super day where he shot, you know, a 67, an amazing day. We'll get back to that in just a minute. This is Ira on Sports on the True Oldies channel. I do believe we have Tom D'Angelo from the Palm Beach Post joining us. Tom, you there? Tom? Yes. Hey, how you doing? This is Mike with Iron Sports. I've got Ira here as well, and uh, we're all excited. Honda huh? Classic Week kind of has a way of taking over uh, our little community here in South Florida. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, Tom, the reason I wanted to have you on is I, I just said before the show started, you know, of all the golf writers out there, you're a straight shooter. I mean, you'll say, look, the Honda Classic doesn't have great players, this and that. You're not right. you're not a PR specialist and you're not a PR uh, specialist for the PGA Tour, which, you know, you read about the Genesis and it was like, you know, I was there at the Genesis for three days and you thought that it was the greatest tournament that's ever created. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to write in your column, Jay Monahan is the greatest commissioner of all time. So I do appreciate the fact that you're very objective in terms of the live and the Honda and everything. And I think that's why people uh-huh. love reading you. Uh, I appreciate that. And, and you know, the, I, I, I don't know how you can sugarcoat it. The Honda, you know, they, they have just gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to the PGA Tour the last four or five years. Uh, the schedule has just, they've done them no favors. And, uh, you know, during that time there, you know, we know the, the Honda, the American Honda is pulling out this year or ending their 42-year relationship. Um, and it doesn't have everything to do with, the field the last four or five years this was this was uh something they knew was coming for a while but uh still you know you're looking at a you're looking at an event that had the longest running sponsor title sponsor and on tour uh 42 years you're looking at an event that the charity numbers continue to grow despite the difficulty of getting uh, a, a decent field in there and and attendance continues to grow with the exception of Everybody had, you know, in 2020, 21, 22, when everybody had issues with attendance. But it, it, and they just continued to squeeze it. And this year was, I mean, th- this year was over the top. This year, the Honda sitting there in the middle of five events in which the two in front of them were designated as elevated events, meaning they had $20 million purses. The two after are designated as elevated events. Now, we got the players is a big event either way but 20 million dollars for the uh for the arnold palmer uh, invitational 25 for the players and there's honda with an 8.4 million dollar purse very few guys are going to play five in a row 
So they're not going to skip another. They're not going to skip one of these top events with twenty million dollar purses to play at Honda. And a lot of them don't like the course as it is. I mean, they, they just had they had no chance this year of getting a decent field. So I, I think, you know, as I wrote yesterday, that uh, it, it's time for the tour to do them a solid and figure out what they can do next year to help rectify this issue where they are just not their, their fields have just been embarrassingly uh, bad at. at at times the last four or five years. And you know, the one thing about the Honda, the fact that when Tiger moved here to Palm Beach County, uh, 2012, 13, 14, 18, I mean, when you had Tiger and Rory battling, you know, yep. for, to win it, and you, I mean, we're throwing people like Brooks Kepka. when Ricky was hot, he was playing. Dustin Johnson even played a couple times. You have Daniel Berger, Sergio Garcia, Phil Mickelson even came. I mean, this, there was yeah. a time where this was, you know, I'm not comparing it to the plate. It is sort of at that level of almost Genesis-like. Well, so, you know, when you have Tiger yeah. in a tournament, that's, that's big enough. But, Tiger, Rory, Justin, all those guys. And now to have nothing like that is pretty amazing. No, you're absolutely right. You can go back to, you know, 12, 2011 to 2015, 16. It was as, it was as good because of its location and, and being in an area where it seems like half the tour lives within a 10-mile radius of, of uh, PGA National. Uh, it was as good as a, non, a non-major on tour as there, as there was at, for the, at that time. And there's no doubt, and it was it was a, a very you know very popular stop for these guys. And being part of the fall, you know, being the start of the Florida swing, many of those years, um, you know, it, they they can they can come here, they could start at Honda, and they could drive to Orlando, drive to Jacksonville, drive over to the Tampa area for for the Valspar. I mean, guys would play it, and it was, and it was a popular event, and and they they just you know bumping the West Coast swing right up against it. They had those few years where they had. It was insane. They had a. Uh, they actually went before Mexico one year, and then they had they had Mexico uh, the, the the event in Mexico before uh, before them. They they moved it around. Nothing really worked. So. So they got some work to do to try to figure out how they can get a good field in here. Well, your excellent article about the Honda, you explained, and even I didn't remember, is that yeah. for the next three years, because of the nature of the calendar, there's actually an yeah. extra week between January 1st and then the Masters. So there's an extra week to play with. Are they thinking of moving? Like, where would they move it to? Are they going to leave it there and give it an extra week? Like, I mean, what what do you think the plan would be what? to do something? I think I, I think the plan is, I mean, there's, there's always a possibility the Honda could move, and people have spoken about that possibly, you know, Back to April, um, uh, forward to April, maybe a couple of weeks after the Masters, or even backward. But I don't think that's happening in the next three years. I think what they're looking at for next year, and, and the uh, uh, Andy Pazner, who runs the tournaments, the scheduling, is in charge of the scheduling. Has I spoke to him at length the other day, and and he kind of hinted at this too. They would like to split up to help the Honda. The way they can help the Honda is stick that extra week, split uh, that extra week between the Genesis. In Honda, which means the extra week between the end of the West Coast swing and the start of the Florida swing. So if you put, uh, like you could put either A, what would help them a lot would be to put kind of that, that Puerto Rico event, the, the alternate, the alternate, the alternate event, alternative event, however they, whatever they call it, which was a much smaller scale. In that case, none of the big names would be playing at all that week. That would give them a week off between West Coast and Florida. And they could slide right into Honda with having a, a, a nice rest, and most of them would play in that case. Or even another event where it's uh, they, they could move something from South. That, that they, I guess there's an event that um, could be moving into South Carolina that they could move in that spot. So as long as it's not, and it won't be, as long as it's not a an event with a twenty million dollar purse before Honda and after Genesis, which they will not do. That's definitely not going to happen. It gives Honda a chance to get 
some of those players. You know, some could play another, I say an event on the level of Honda, an $8 million per se. Some could would play that after Genesis, depending where it is. If it's on the way to Florida, they could stop and play it. Some and or some would just skip it and come to Honda. So that would, without question, help the field. Look, they're, they're not like they're not going to get twenty three out of the top twenty five. I, I think is what Genesis had and and Phoenix had. You know, I don't know twenty two out of the top twenty five, something like that. They, they know they're not going to get that. But they if they can get back to getting, you know, ten or twelve out of the top twenty in the world and and five or six of the top ten. I mean, that, that's that's all they. That's what they need. That's a really really attractive field. That's a quality field. And by doing this, it could help. And then you look beyond the three years and that calendar goes back because of the, because of the calendar, the, the schedule goes back. They lose that week. That's when they've got to figure out where do we want it in the schedule and what years will they give it, will they make it elevated? Because at some point, as long as the new sponsor agrees and the sponsors have a lot to say, a lot of say in this, at some point they will be offered to have, uh, as an elevated event, to have a $20 million purse. It won't be every year, but they'll they'll get them in that kind of rotation, and um, you know that that probably won't come till uh, till two or three, a minimum two years down the road, three or four down the road, and the sponsor has to be on board with that. Yeah, and they're going to have to find a sponsor that's even going to pay eight million without with Honda pulling out. So yeah, you know, it's so it's easy to say, oh, we'll find someone to pay twenty, but you're having trouble finding someone to play eight. So that's yeah, that, that, I think I don't I don't think they have, I don't think they have problems finding a sponsor. They they they've had. They have some, you know, according to them, they have some quality candidates that have narrowed it down to about four or five, and they, they are very confident they're going to get a, a, a really good sponsor. The, the, just the question is, and some have, some have balked at ha- be, having their event elevated. Some of these sponsors like where they are now. They <laughs> like paying, say, an 8 to $10 million purse because they get, where they are on the schedule, they get a really nice field. Their charity dollars are coming in. Their attendance is great. And they say we don't need to be an elevated event because when you elevate it to twenty million, that eight to, that extra ten to twelve million sponsors pay a lot of that. It's, it's kind of a it's I don't know if it's fifty fifty, but that that money is is comes out of both the PGA Tour and the and the title sponsors' pockets. So they're they're that's a that's a, a pretty big investment for the sponsor to make to try to get a you know to try to get a nice field so like like i said some of them already have that field they don't need that extra money they say no thank you we, we don't need it and that's fine so it, we just don't know it it really depends on uh who the sponsor who, who you know who who honda and the pga tour choose as a sponsor for the for the tournament here next year and just to change the subject a little bit, to go back when I was at the Genesis, the biggest one of the big topic of conversations, of course, Lee was on Thursday and Friday when Tiger was battling on the cut line. When right. he finished at plus one, this cut was at even, so people thought he was going to not make it. Then the cut did come, surprisingly, went back. But you had, like, you know, Spieth doesn't make the cut. There's a lot of talk about making, you know, that Liv might be onto something with these no-cut events. And and that, you know, I know Tiger is proud about his streak of, of, of making cuts and everything. Yeah. But there is a there's, there is some thought of, like, in order to sell tickets, in order to get for TV partners to, to not have to have no-cut events and make the field smaller. Yeah, I well, you certainly would have to make the field smaller. But then, see, I don't like the idea because I think I like getting – People, it, it's so difficult to make the PGA Tour. And these guys uh, that get in there, uh, you know, they probably don't have a chance of winning. But if they can make the cut, they make, are going to make some money. I think you'd lose a lot of your – a lot of the, the mid-level players would – would uh, they just wouldn't have a place to play. I mean, how many of them – if you could have 70 players in a lot of these events, 
those other 70 that are missing out are not going to be the top players in the world. So uh, I, I know you, I have he- I've heard that, and I don't think it's coming soon. I, don't, I, I, I just don't think golf is going to mess with that. First of all, <laughs> this, you know, this rivalry with Liv, uh, it would be hard. I, I cannot see, I cannot see the PGA Tour kind of conceding that Liv had a good idea, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you know, in doing something Liv did. That's number one, especially something that they've done forever. Um, I, you know, and again, I know this talk about it. I, I just don't see it coming now. You know, that's that's just me, and it, watch it will happen in two weeks. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they're really going to go that way. Well, you had an excellent interview, I think, in the paper last year when Mito Pereira did well at the PGA yep. Championships. Now he's yeah. left to go to live. Uh, Sebastian, you know, yeah. they, they had some names that maybe aren't so popular, but very good golfers, Pereira, Munoz, and Thomas Peters, who doesn't play on the PGA Tour, but the European Tour. But some people feel right. he's the fourth best golfer now at, at the Live Tour, how how good he's playing, these good young golfers that are going over. So Live sort of under the radar signings of, of these those players in the last well, couple of weeks. Yeah, well, here's what I say about Liv. I think last year they um, they succeeded what the expect- expectation was for the, the people that were coming onto the tour. Um, I think everybody, expect- oh, obviously, everybody expected Mickelson, Sergio Garcia. We knew he was, you know, he was. He, he just had an issue with the tour, and and there are others. But once they got once they got Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and DeChambeau, uh, Cam Smith. I mean, I. I, I there was there were some really good names there you did not expect would be leaving the PGA Tour. Now moving forward, when I was at Doral, you they, they the whole feeling from them was there was there were going to be a couple of more big names. Now I know they got like you said they are good golfers, but do any of these guys move the needle? No, none of them move the needle at, at all here. So, but you heard the rumors about. Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley and Jason Day, Adam Scott, that they were just uh, John Rahm. And, and they were, you could tell that, that they were privately believing they were going to get one or two or, you know, two, maybe three of those guys, which would have been a huge, a uh, huge uh, signings to them. It would have been a coup. And none of them, they got none of them. And they wind up with, like you said, you know, some Pereira. And then this week they get four more guys, Brendan Steele and uh, Thomas Peters. Again, like very I mean, great golfers when you, on the, you know, relatively the scale of everything. When you're in the top hundred in the world, you're a great golfer. But are they going to move the needle? No, I, I, I think they needed to. I, I don't think they're, I don't think they would call this if you gave them truth serum. They'd never say this publicly. I don't think they would say it was a, a successful offseason for where they would what their expectation was, but their expectations, you know, were always high and they're probably never going to meet those. Uh, so, so we'll see, you know, the, the question is once all, once all this external stuff dies down, once we know now, this is, this is basically it for this year. There's going to be no more big signings. There's going to be no more big names. They've released, the, they've released all the teams. Uh, once, once, so once that signs down and we know week to week to week, there's not going to be any rumors and, we're not going to have these big names thrown on us like Kepka and all of a sudden Patrick Reed and Kim Smith, um, you know, and, and then all the uh, all the, the drama and the flair and, the, you know, the lawsuits. There's going to be no probably no more lawsuits filed. In fact, we may see some of them dropped. Are people going to be interested in the golf? And I think that's the big question because the events I've been at or, or just covering this and writing about it through the year, 
they do have their core fans who do like it, but I mean, they, that's you know, we're talking a few, we're talking not many, relatively. Um, I'm not sure right now they can just they're gonna uh, they're gonna exist by just selling the golf. They have a long way to go for people to become interested in what's going on on the court. Once all the drama off the court dies down. Well, now that people, when now with the television deal with CW Network, whether people are going to see it, you're right. I mean, that's going to be this is going to yeah. be an issue because last year was hard. You know, it's hard to pull up it on their the channel on your computer and stuff like that. So we're going to see. Yeah. But one more question. You had another article. Your articles are so great. I again, I just continue to read every article. If I see an article that finds interesting, I find I go, it's not another Tom D'Angelo byline, and it always is. But you had another <laughs> article about Brooks Kepka, and I thought that was pretty intriguing about your analysis of where his game is. That was unbelievable. And of course, you know, this was right. I, I you know, I just watched the, the Netflix full swing and just kind of you know see where he is. Knowing Brooks and having covered many of his many of his made many of his tournaments, four years ago, three, four, five, six years ago, or when he started that run from seventeen to nineteen, there was not a more mentally tough, confident golfer in the world. He would step on the course at a major, thinking he was going to win, and everybody else would think he was going to win. He he just he demanded that stage. I I was shocked at how fragile he looked in those episodes last year. And that started right after he had a poor fourth round, uh, final round at Phoenix. And then he just, I mean, he just fell off the shelf in the majors. Two missed cuts, two, actually both, both the other two, he finished 55th. So that, that, you know, this is a guy who was the most feared golfer in the world when it came to majors. He was, um, he, he, he was a mess. You know, he's, he's out there just saying, Brooks Kepka would never, four or five years ago, he would have told you he's the best in the world. No one can beat me. When I get on the course, I know I'm going to beat them. He was, saying, <laughs> I can't beat these guys. He, he was saying, I can't beat these guys last year. I've never seen that. So that was really interesting. And, you know, he went to live, and I, and I still believe he would never say that. I believe that has something to do with it. I think he was doubting his game, and he just wanted to go to some place where there was you know, he's out, he obviously was going to be in the spotlight. The competition is nowhere near what it is on the PGA Tour. And he's going to make a, you know, make a boatload of money not having to play his best. Won one event, but again, the, the field, the comp, they're not comparable. But then he came out this year, two, three weeks ago, and he missed the cut in two Asian Tour events. He misses the cut and finishes 46. So where is his game? So we'll, we'll see starting this week when they start the season and uh, live, and even that won't be a great, again, it, you know, the, the fields are relative here. Uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's at, and I'm not sure. And he even made it sound like he's even doubting whether he can get it back. And, boy, that is that is such a departure from the Brooks Capital we know we knew from 2018. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, because Kepka would be, you know, even I would say I don't care what he does in the the, the tournaments. I mean, you'd always count him. I mean, his run in majors over three, four years was like top four, top five, almost every single major. It was major. remarkable. And it yeah. wasn't just winning. He was in. He was in all but I think there was a stretch of what four times sixteen, like fifteen. Missed one. He was injured. Like fourteen or fifteen majors. I believe ten. He was in the top ten, winning four. He was runner up four, three or four times. It, it was remarkable how where he would, you know, a major was coming and you knew Brooks was going to be laser-like focused for, the, for that tournament. Well, Tom, I really appreciate you coming on. I know this is a, the super busy week for you. And uh, so thank you so much for coming on Iron Sports and oh, talking about this. Thank you so much. Any, anytime. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks for calling me.
He is Tom D'Angelo of the Palm Beach Post. You can follow him on Twitter at TomD'Angelo44. Ira on Sports Trulli's channel, Mike Balsamo here as well. Don't forget, social media, you can follow Ira at Ira on Sports. I want to hop back to the genesis here because I think we were right about the cut. And going into, you know, as Friday started to, to, to wane and the golfers are finishing, I was a little worried if Tiger was going to make the cut or not as some of these guys finished up. Well, I'm debating whether to fly back here. I couldn't yeah. know. Like, it was on. It was totally I didn't know if you bought tickets for the weekend. I hadn't advanced. bought it. And I bought, you know, I, I had bought, I did it. And I bought it because I'm sitting in a car. Like, my friend's house is near Brentwood. It's almost it's impossible. So I'm sitting in the car. Like, I had a plane that night to fly out on Friday night. Do I push it back to Saturday night because I want to go to the Delray tour? Tournament for the tennis, but then when Tiger, if Tiger didn't make it, I would have flown out. But Tiger makes the cut. I figure I should go the next day. And the way they have those, the, the he started not early, but he started later on on Saturday again. Again, I think it's important for him to, when it's warm. You know, when I think it helps something because it was warmer there on Saturday. He, he didn't start even though he was like just barely made the cut. They have this inverse start where he starts with the tenth hole, but mm. uh, started and then. But he was he played great. Saturday was just I mean he could have shot what sixty seven and he could have probably shot a sixty four on that and was just running and, and and just seemed so comfortable in terms of his, his playing and, and the length of his shots and the putting and the fans and the enthusiasm. Just amazing to be out there with him for that. I, I just was, and he was playing with uh, Christian, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Matthew Stroud. And you could tell that they were like, I mean, they, they didn't even know what was going on. Like, it was a bit of a shock they, for them. <laughs> their entire life, they've known you get out of every player because I cannot emphasize the crowds. They were enormous, like beyond enormous. When I left him, so he finished and then Rom had two more holes. I jumped to Rom and Mitchell and and there's like nobody. Like I could go, I could. Sit. And Rom's on a monumental run. Yes, right. Now. right. I mean, he's the, <laughs> lead, the number the one player in the world, leading a tournament on 17. Tiger's done. I go back to Rom, and it's like you know, he's like a you know, his family, his there, family, right? and friends and family are out there with Rom. It was crazy. So that was what's so amazing. And then Sunday, I was I flew back here, so I just watched Sunday on TV. But I'll tell you what, I was nervous because you saw that he had trouble. I mean, to go through the two rounds that he played on Thursday and Friday, they come back on Saturday and shoot as well as he did. And and as Tom D'Angelo said, on a very hard course. A very there's no water on this course, but it's hilly. The pin placements are difficult. I mean, they have a green with a with a with a sand trap in the middle of the green. Mm. Like it's crazy. Like there's a weird course. I thought he played great. I just think that it's a miracle, and I just couldn't believe. I mean, to think that they when he had that accident, it's like they might have to amputate his leg. And then you see him walking, and I was saying he outwalked these other. He was leading the walking. I mean, it wasn't amazing. Just the fact that he could walk the whole course. His next stop will be the Masters, I guess. Masters, it could be, look, he can't do Bay Hill and players. He can't do them both because they're back-to-back. But I expect him to be in one of those. And and you think he almost might go to Bay Hill because he's won it, what, eight times or something? Like, how many times has he won it? Eight, eight times. So uh, I think that's where he probably would, would – the Bay Hill would be it or, or the players. But I, I might think he would go to Bay Hill. So – the live golfers are fairly well celebrated at the Genesis, aren't they, Ira? Well, I just real quickly, uh, Phil won it twice, Bubba Watson won it twice, DJ won it once, and Neiman won it last year. Because whenever, like, home is a past winner, so all the past winners have this special thing on their placards and everything that they're past winners. And so Neiman, who won it last year, was an amazing. He had what, what it shot a 265, which was, the I think, the course record for the championship. And uh, and so he could be there to, to celebrate because he's at live. So it was it did miss it. And there is this competition. You hear about live all the time. You're out on the course, people talk about it constantly because of the big names that are like the Bryson DeChambeau's and 
Dustin Johnson. And I said, they've had Bubba Watson, these past winners that were there. But John Rahm, I mean, he's had the first 60 days, top seven and five starts, three wins, 9,320 rounds. He's beat uh, 99% of the players. I mean, this is amazing with the three wins. It just, it just the dominance he's had. Um, everyone's like comparing him to Tiger. My comment is last year in the majors, he did not have anything better than a 12th place finish. So let's get, let's do a little bit better in the majors. He wins we... a few majors this year. Then uh, maybe all the, right, the talks all right. will increase. But Max Homa played great. I mean, it was one of these tournaments where Rom actually wanted, you know, that if you're, if you're Rom, you're like, boy, I wish the Masters was next week. Like, you know, you don't want to be on this heater like he's on right now. And then just now I have to wait. And, you know, I think it's, it's just unfortunate that he doesn't have the majors coming in that row. So anything you want to mention here with the Honda coming up? But we talked about it with Tom D'Angelo. Field, not as impressive as we would like. Billy Horschel, I think he's playing five weeks in a row. This including one of them, which is very rare for golfers, but he's going to be one of the bigger names. He's going to be one of the bigger games. I like Shane Lowry from last year. I thought Shane Lowry got... He plays good at this track. He, he played well, and I thought that what happened last year was ridiculous when the rain stopped. He had to play in like a monsoon on 18, uh, and he wasn't able to... Straka was able to finish the hole, yeah. and, he, and he asked for a weight. He asked to hold, and they made him hit, and I th the fact that he parred it was crazy enough that he parred 18. Otherwise, he would have forced a playoff. I thought that was really unfair. Uh, Sun JM, uh, past winner, is back. Uh, you like his chances in this, but he, and so he, because he played well at the Genesis. But I think Lowry has, uh, of all the golfers, I think Lowry has a really, I would say he's the, by far the favorite from, because I said, I thought he had last year's tournament won. If the rain doesn't hit, he would have won that tournament. Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. It's 748. I'm Mike Balsamo. Change gears, Ira. The NBA All-Star Weekend is upon us. And I can't remember so little fanfare for an NBA All-Star Weekend. And now even some diehard basketball fans are saying, what are we doing here with this All-Star game? Well, I heard the quote was, Someone someone said this was the worst basketball game ever played. Not the worst all-star game ever played. Not the worst basketball game ever played. Now, there's a zillion basketball games played. And that was from Mike Ballone, who was the coach of the LeBron <laughs> team, who said it. So he's like, it was terrible. He was pleading with the players to play defense. It was an embarrassing game. They either going to get a layup line for a dunk or a shoot a three-pointer. It was awful. The choosing of the teams didn't help. Or they, they had all the players. And then Giannis and LeBron picked the players. That didn't work. The fact that you have a 45-minute concert beforehand doesn't work. It's just, I don't get it. And it was just, the game was terrible. The only time the game was pretty cool was Tatum and Brown. They were on different teams, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for the Boston Celtics. And they actually went and played. So for about three minutes, they were playing like one-on-one -on -one where everybody else watched. And I enjoyed that because as I said on the show, time and time again, I think they're equal players. People think Jason Tatum is the superstar and Jalen Brown's like beneath them. And I think they're, they're equal players. And that's why I think the Celtics, when you saw how well they played out there, even though I've just Jalen Brown on my fantasy team, he wasn't played for the last two weeks, but it's amazing he could come back, Tyler Hero, all these players that don't play for the weeks come back and that leads us into the next comment about which one about load management in yeah. terms of adam well look, adam silver well, he's directly asked if there's issues with the league and he's not only saying no he's saying we're fine and us as fans don't think it's fine well david stern was so against even when the Spurs were doing this he was mad about that and that's like Tim Duncan was like 50 years old and he's trying to play and they're load managing him and that was like made sense considering he played 82 games for like 15 years yeah. of, his, of his existence but for Silver to say it's not a problem I mean come on like I went to the, the Heat Celtic game and it's like the Boston G League team was out there playing I mean anybody who follows the Heat sees what's going on but it's throughout the entire league and it's not like you follow hockey you, it, it's not even brought up in hockey I mean and then, laughed out of the arena Right. And, and, and even in baseball, it's not brought up. I mean, this is un, it's a serious problem because people they, they, you have a star based league. And when the stars don't show, if you went to a concert and the lead singer is, you know, once one of every three, you know, one of three days, does 
doesn't sing, you know, if Bruce Springsteen on that East Straight tour, <laughs> if they have like Bruce uh, Bruce Kaufman on the show or something like that, people aren't going to go. Like, why do I pay all this money for that? It's ridiculous. So the, the thought of buying season tickets in the NBA is just scary to me. And if you, if you do say you live here, you're going to get to see the Lakers, what, once or twice? Odds are LeBron's not playing in that game. Like, why would you want to buy anything in advance with the NBA? Because you have no clue who's going to play. And then Anthony Edwards, who I loved in the Hustle movie with Adam Sandler, who thought it was fantastic. He played the villain in that sort of, like, the player against it. And I swear, Anthony Edwards, and who I never thought was going to be a great NBA player because he was at Georgia and I had questions about it. But he came out. The Silver's making his comment, and, and Edwards goes, they said, what do you don't like about the league? He goes, I don't like that no one plays. He goes, I love playing. Now, he's played every game this year. I mean, he goes, I love to play. I go, if you're 70%, you got to still play. And he's criticized. So here is a player saying, I hate the fact that no one's playing, and Silver's defending it. Now, I hope Silver was doing it for negotiations because what, based upon that comment, we're just going to see nobody, especially at the end of the year, you're going to see players not playing. And, and I love the league. And I love watching it, and there's only 23 games left. I just did not like that comment or anything about that. Want to mention anything about the uh, slam dunk contest? Because I had no idea who Matt McClung was uh, 48 hours well, ago. Well, he's a YouTube star who plays in the G League, who is like, who has these amazing dunks, and so he's not even in the league. And this is a league that used to have slam dunk with Michael Jordan competing against Dominique Wilkins, yeah. when both with the superstars of the league. So the fact that you have an all-star game and you have a G League player against uh, 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 Trey Murphy the third, Jericho Sims, and Kenyon Martin Jr. in a competition is a ridiculous like there should be only all-stars in this dunk contest and why don't John Morant doesn't do it and Zion Williamson was never healthy but the fact is I, I think that's what takes it away you don't want to see G leaguers in an all-star game and I his McClung is great also they only paid him $100,000 which is more than he's made in his career playing basketball which I can't believe 100,000 was so low like you have this big competition like the you tickets a million dollars some people are paying 100,000 to go to the tickets <laughs> there and he's only getting 100,000 for it which I thought was ridiculous so yeah, maybe you draw some of these big names in if there was a big person to it. Uh, I, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Um, any transactions you want to discuss? I know the Heat kind of bolstered their roster. I love the Kevin Love signing. I'm telling you, I know the Cavaliers had a lot of front court depth, but Kevin Love going to the Heat, he gets a lot of rebounds and shoots threes. He's a great, he's a good team player. I think he fits in with the Heat system. I like that signing a lot. I think that was a really good signing for the Heat. And Westbrook put to the Clippers. Interesting. I'm not saying the Clippers have so many players that could field three NBA teams. They're trying everything. They are literally throwing everything at the wall. Um, so I don't know if it's going to work or not. But I do. I like the Kevin Love signing because without with Bam, he is no. There's no rebounding. They needed another big man. So that's what it, perfect. It was the you know, people said Westbrook was going to the Heat. I go that made no sense. But but Love, he's a great three pointer shooter. I think it's perfect. I mean he'll he'll play like I mean he's almost like a Chris Bosh type player without the great defense, but who's tall gets rebounds and shoots threes. And Bam's been such an offensive focal point this year. Give him some time to relax, let Kevin Love go do the dirty work. They have work Dwayne Dedman as their backup center. Now they'll be able to put Love in as the center. I think it fits. I think it works great. He's a good passer, too. Fits in with the whole idea. I, I'm a big fan of that whole thing. Ira on Sports, Trulli's channel at 753. I'm Mike Balsamo. One of your favorite events, Ira, the Delray Beach Tennis Open. And this was one... <sighs> We got to see an American here t take down the title, and we're going to do our best to get him on the show. I love the Delray tournament, and I, I was going to fly back for it. I did a red eye back from L.A. to come to see it because it's there were 6,000 people. The stadium is perfect. You see, I go to the U.S. Open. It's like going and watching, I guess, like a football game in like a 10,000-seat stadium where mm. you're close to the action or like seeing spring training baseball, which is great. I love that, and I like Taylor Fritz a lot. He's 25 years old. He's like 6'5". He has the perfect game. He, he is great at the net, great at the baseline, serves 
out of this world, and he just has to put it all together. And he, he won the tournament. I give him credit. You know, he played Miramar Kachmanovic, um, 6-0. He won 6-0. He was up 1-0. And then in the second set, he, he had match point at 5-4, tor- actually championship point, lost that, and lost the second set, 7-5, which is his problem. He he just gets these lulls, and then he comes back and wins 6-2 in the third. If he could just get rid of those lulls, I'm just waiting. I mean, Andy Roddick was the last American man to win a major. That was 20 years ago, 2003 Open. And they haven't been in a final since 2009, which was Roddick. Roddick was actually in four finals, lost them all to, to Federer. And you look at Fritz, and you're like, man, he could do this. I mean, he has some holes in his game, but he served well, he plays well, and uh, um, it's just, he has not, last year, he lost in the second round of the Australian Open, first round of the U.S. Open, he lost in the quarters of Wimbledon to Denal in one of the best matches I saw all year, and second round in the French. So he has this, I mean, it's just like, I'm just waiting for an American put together. He might be the person to do it. Um, and it was a good win. And I, I wish the TFO would enter, like, I mean, he'd tell me, a lot of good other Americans were in this tournament and the American men are coming on and uh, but tons of excitement I mean the fans were the, the stands were packed it was the largest attendance they had there and I think next year I mean we definitely I think it's it's a jewel it's only a 20 minute drive I mean to think all what I have to go through to go to the US Open to go to, <laughs> I mean this was easy park your car you literally park your car closer my joke is you car park your car closer to walk in the stadium than the players who park their cars at the US Open have to park their car <laughs> and go and play so it's like you're a super VIP for like 10 bucks parking your car it, it, it's a gem here in Palm Beach County, and then we get the Honda Classic right after it. So sports alive and well, especially this time of year when people say things are slowing down. We're rocking and rolling here. Interesting you bring up Andy Roddick, having that be 20 years ago. There was three pretty good guys eating up a lot of uh, majors in that 20-year time period. So I'll give the Americans a little bit of a break. Another massive event in Florida. I read the Daytona 500 this weekend. Oh, I walk out of the tournament, then I catch the end of the Daytona 500, which I went to a couple years ago. And it's such a weird race because you have to, like, it's one of those things where it, there was, what, 20-some lead changes, 52 lead changes, 21 different drivers led the race, which is crazy. crazy. And you just have to turn it on to the end, and they're all drafting, and it was total chaos. And even after they went, they had they went 212 laps. They 200 laps, they normally go for 500. So they ran, like, 500 and some miles because they wanted to finish with it with on a green you know on a checkered flag they didn't want to be on a caution and they were you know arguing where how they it was a huge crash right before the race and then they had they ran around again and they had another huge crash and ricky stenhouse jr he was 35th in qualifying, 35th and won, and gets one for, for the basketball connection. Brad Doherty, a former Cavalier, was the owner of the team, so he was, a, and it was one car. So a lot of these teams are team sports. He was only JTG Doherty Racing, so he was the only driver. He hadn't won in 199 races, five and a half years, so pretty amazing. And Brad Koslowski, who led 42 of the 200 laps, he had a chance at the end but didn't. But uh, Stenhouse, under, under those last two, ra- two laps races, you know, the crashes were tremendous and knocks out all the, the drivers. But Stenhouse, big win for him. I saw it seems like this race now, it's not the best driver that wins. It's like the luckiest at the end, <laughs> and which isn't really what you want in a race. So, I, you know, I know my friends were like, you know, you've got to come up with a different way. The drafting rules it's just these super speedways. They have all these different rules and all the cars are bunched up together. Um, we got a couple of minutes left here. NCAA basketball, we're getting closer and closer to the tournament. Florida Atlantic University having an iconic year. We're looking forward to seeing them make an appearance. But this really, this is going to be a lot of lines through my bracket because I can't see, this isn't like favorites are just going to cruise to the to the Elite Eight in the Final Four. I'm not going to be surprised if six, seven, eight seeds are the ones we're seeing at the end of this, of this tournament. Right now, Kentucky and North Carolina are on the bubble. 
They might it's not get it. They, could, they each could win the tournament. That's how crazy this is. Purdue, Bama, Kansas, and Houston are one seeds. No one, I mean, if you think one of those scenes, they could easily get knocked out in the first or second round. I mean, this is crazy. This, you're going to see carnage in your bracket. The people, there's going to be so much money to be won in this tournament. I watch these games. You watch Purdue play sometimes. I'm like, they are the worst team. They're awful. They have, you know, one huge center, Edie, and... Uh, I just Houston on up and down team Alabama same thing I just and these are the top seeds let alone the T seeds in the middle it is going to be crazy to watch this and someone's going to make some money because if you bet right you're going to get some good odds and uh, this is going to be very interesting in this tournament this is as wide open I cannot remember there's not not only one dominant there's not these teams are you know Bama Purdue and kids in Houston would be like four or five seeds years ago and you have weird things you have teams that are older so you have teams that are like 20 the Stetson Bennett teams as I call them. They've been around forever <laughs> and then you have the Duke teams who are already 17 and 18 years old. So it's going to be that combination of the 25-year-olds playing the 18-year-olds. Who knows what's going to happen? We've got uh, just a minute or so left here, Ira. What's your plans for uh, for this week? Yeah, you, you going to relax a little bit? You've had a, a hectic month or two. Well, we got Honda Classic on Saturday and Sunday and then I'm so excited. You know, this is a great time to be in South Florida. You have, again, I love the heat, but you have spring training, baseball every day. I love going to this. It's going to be so exciting to see the new rules, the no shifts, the pitch clocks, the bigger bases. I hate it. You hate it? <laughs> I got to see how it is, but you got for fantasy, you got to understand what players might, you know, yeah. left-handed hitters might start playing better now with the no shift rules. So it's going to be interesting. I love going to spring training baseball. I love the fact that we have three states within about 15 miles here of, of our station. Um, it's going to be great there. And also you have the Miami tennis is coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, and so it's pumped with heat, everything. So I love and Honda this weekend. So I, you know, it's great. I travel, fly around everywhere, and it's fun to have so much sports here in South Florida. And we've had pretty good weather, too. Not a bad time to be here. It you was know, cold in California, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and in you know, Phoenix, it was funny. The Super Bowl, the weather was perfect. Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Monday, when the Super Bowl was over, it got it like 50 degrees and raining. It's like the, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce of uh, Phoenix, the Super Bowl committee, made a deal. It's like, you get a Monday, you have the worst weather in the world. Just have a nice Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Did you see baseball's going to keep the uh, runner on second base in extra innings? They're bringing that back. I thought that was going to go. But apparently that's staying. That, that's my biggest gripe with the rule changes here. So should be an interesting season for that. I feel bad for all these closers that are going to take losses. Well, we have be. a lot of listeners that don't live in the West Palm Beach area. We do have some that, that of course, live from Fort Lauderdale all the way up to Port St. Lucie. Please, and this is, I think spring training baseball is the funnest thing. Bring your kids. Take, go to these games. It's awesome to come down here. They're, all, they're over quickly. Get there early. The, the players all sign autographs, everything. This is the first year since the COVID restrictions. You're going to see other teams come in, like the Yankees will play here. The, you know, the last couple of years they haven't been playing. Also, there's night games this year. They're going to play day and night games. You can go to a day game and a night game. I think it's great. I'm telling you, spring training is going to be awesome this year. We are out of time. Thanks so much to Tom D'Angelo of the Palm Beach Post for joining us. He's Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.